Welcome to Victory with Paul Doherty, pastor of Victory in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services. Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Pastor Paul has a great message for you today, and I believe this message is going to make an impact in your life. Everybody say, this is a God dream. This is a God dream. So we talked about last week, how do you know if it's a God dream? And that the dreams from God, if if you wanna know what's a God dream and what's a you dream, what's a me dream, a God dream is any dream that you can't do by yourself that needs God's help and that can bring God glory. And God has a dream for every single one of us. You know, dreaming is not just for rich people. It's not just for people from perfect families. It's for all people. Whether you grew up in a dysfunctional home, whether you got no money to your name, God used people in the Bible who were poor, who were dysfunctional, who had bad families, bad past, walked through all kinds of junk and and, and stuff that would disqualify them in the eyes of people. But how many are thankful that people don't qualify us, God qualifies us to do what God's called us to do? And so God has a dream for you. He has a dream for your life. And sometimes we discount our dream because we may not think it's a big dream compared to other people's dreams. Some of us think, well, I just wanna be a good Christian. Is that a dream? Yeah. You wanna get better at being a good mom, to be, being a good dad, being a good son, being a good daughter, even the desire to improve in your life, that's a God dream. Anything you can't do on your own that can bring God glory and needs God's help is a God dream. How many of y'all feel like you need God's help at getting better in areas in your life, yeah? How many of you think to get better in some of the areas in your life would bring God glory? God would be glorified if you got better at being a, a better husband, better wife, better dad, better mom, better son, better daughter, better sister, better friend, Absolutely, that's a God dream. And then God also gives you specific dreams, businesses he's put in your heart, ministries, books, ideas, those other assignments, orphanages, mission trips you're you're called to go on, school you're called to step into. There's dreams and assignments he puts in your heart, but ultimately the greatest dream in our heart is to become more like Jesus. That's the God dream he wants to give you. And so I want us to go to Daniel 11 verse 32. Daniel 11 verse 32, come on somebody. And Daniel said this amazing statement. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Daniel was a dreamer. He was a God dreamer. He was living in the ultralight beam with a God dream. Come on, somebody. He was the guy that was caught in the den of lions and the the Lord shut the mouths of those lions. Daniel was the guy that was interpreting dreams for kings that didn't wanna have anything to do with God. And all of a sudden, Daniel says these words. But the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Everybody say, no God. Come on, do the hand motions with me, it's my birthday. Just just do it for my birthday. No God, be strong, do exploits. Do it again. No God, be strong, do exploits. All right, one more time, let's get it down in our hearts. Here we go. No God, be strong, do exploits. This is what Daniel was saying. Those that know their God, what does it mean to know your God? It means to study his word, 
to go to church, to lean in, to find out who God is and what his plan is for your life. It means to meditate on scripture, to read your Bible outside of church. It means to have long walks with just you and God talking to him outside or in your room, in your closet, taking time to just pray and talk to God. Those that know their God, secondly, shall be strong. Notice that after knowing, it doesn't go right into doing, it goes into being. Because God calls us to be before he calls us to do. He calls us to just be his sons and daughters. We live in a world where we define our worth, our identity based on our activity, what we do. I'm a, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a pastor, that's my identity. No, it's not. My identity is that I am a child of God. You know, someone who is so like just exemplified what it means to just be God's child, in my eyes, has been my mom. Because she's went through a lot of different life changes and transitions uh, from being the pastor's wife to being the pastor and then passing the baton off to me being the pastor. And she's been, you know, stay-at-home mom. Then she's been working mom with kids in school and her working at the church. And then she's been an empty nester. And then the nest got filled up again. Us kids had to come back and live with her for a little while. And she's gone through all these seasons gracefully, embracing each season, knowing that her season doesn't define her identity. So whether she's the pastor or the prayer leader, whether she's a stay-at-home mom or whether she's a working mom, that's not what defines her, her worth. It's not in her performance, it's in her being a daughter of God. So she knows she's valuable in every season. So those who know their God shall be strong. Your strength comes from knowing whose you are. Because when you know whose you are, you know who you are. And then listen, the last point right here, those that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. God's not put you on earth on accident for an accident. He puts you on this earth on purpose for a purpose, to do exploits, to do great things. That word exploits, it means to do things worth doing, things that are valuable, things that are great, things that are extraordinary, to do the kind of God dreams that are in your heart. The kind of things that people step back and go, wow, that's like a modern day Moses. That's like a modern day Joshua. She's like a modern day Esther. He's like a modern day Peter. He, I mean, he's like a modern day uh, Abraham. They're like a modern day Noah kind of family. Like they're building an ark over there to save some people from darkness and bring them into light. God wants you to do great things. Every single one of you in this room, great things are not just reserved for some people, they're for anyone who knows their God. They shall be strong and they will do great exploits. And I wanna say this, to do great exploits, you can't do it by yourself. You're gonna need some help. Every character in the Bible that did something great, that followed a God dream in their heart, God brought people around them, whether it was Abraham or Joshua, whether it was even Jesus. He had the 12 disciples. And so today I wanna talk to you about your God team, your God team. How do you know if it's a God dream? If it's a God dream, you're gonna need a God team. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today on this thought, on this word, the God team that you're bringing into our life. God, that you have lined people up in our future, friends, relationships, God, that are gonna help carry the dream into fulfillment. Lord, that we are called to be a part of a God team in other people's lives, working together to build your kingdom, God, to reach people with your love. In Jesus' name, everybody said? 
how do you know if it's a God dream? If it's a God dream, it will have God's peace. If it's a God dream, it will honor God's word. If it's a God dream, it will bring God glory. If it's a God dream, it won't be easy. When I look at this ministry and this building, this campus, this, 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 this ministry started in 1981. 36 years ago, victory began. But you know, it didn't happen in one week or one year. It takes time. Any dream that God gives you is going to take time. It's going to take work. Everybody say work. It's not, we're in a microwave generation. We want stuff now, fast, easy, convenient, comfortable. But if it's a God dream, it's gonna take some time. It's gonna take some work, but it will be worth it. Every day will be worth it. If it's a God dream, it will need God's help. If it's a God dream, it will have God's provision. Where he guides, he provides. We have a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's saying, come on, dare me to dream for the impossible. Dare me to dream for something you can't do on your own. Dare me to dream for things that you don't have the money to afford or the resources to handle or the connections to make it happen. Come on, put God to the test with a God dream where he can get involved. I'll never forget uh, reading a book called The Circle Maker. Anybody ever read The Circle Maker? If you haven't read it, it's in our bookstore. It's a great book on dreaming God-sized dreams and praying God-sized prayers. And the bottom line of the book is that oftentimes we are praying prayers that we can accomplish in our own strength rather than praying for the impossible, daring to believe for the supernatural, the kind of things that only could happen if God got involved. And oftentimes when we start praying for those impossible dreams, we realize we can't do it on our own. We realize we're gonna need some people. If it's a God dream, it's going to need a God team. If you have a Bible, go to Mark chapter two. And one of my favorite stories in the life of Jesus happened Right towards the beginning of his ministry, in Mark chapter two, Jesus was preaching in a house, and it says that he had come to Capernaum, come back home, and people started hearing about it, word started spreading. Immediately in verse two, many gathered together in the house. Who's in the house? Come on, where's my Carmen fans at? Who's in the house? Tell me who's in the house. Y'all don't want to know about my rapping skills. So they found out JC was in the house. And when they found out JC was in the house, they all packed in tight. There wasn't room for anyone else to get in. I love that. God loves a full house. I can see this house filling up where there's not room enough to get in and they're going to have to dig a hole through the roof. Look what happens next. It says that people couldn't get in and then verse three, they came. Everybody say they. I love this entrance of this next part of the story. Then they came, and they came to Jesus bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. There's a difference between the they that was with this paralyzed man and the four guys that were there. There was more than just four. Sometimes we think that this story revolves around four friends carrying their buddy on a mat, but it wasn't just the four friends. There was a they involved with this. Everybody say, it takes a village. Come on, welcome to the village right here. It takes a village to help a dream come to pass. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. The people in your life will make your dream fly or they will make your dream die. 
And so this, this man needed some people in his life that were gonna help his dream fly, to help his dream come to pass, the kind of friends that could help his future be a future that was fulfilled through Jesus. It says that they came and there was four friends that were carrying this paralyzed man. Imagine with me in this moment, right here in this church service, if all of a sudden there was this group of friends that needed to get someone that was hurting, that was, that was broken, that was paralyzed to Jesus. Imagine with me if they just started walking in the room carrying a mat. That'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? If they were like carrying a mat, there's like a dude laying on the mat, they're bringing him into church service. We'd be like, what's going on here? What's Paul doing? And all of a sudden, they can't get to Jesus. I need someone to play the part of Jesus. Oh, here we go. Give these guys a big hand. All right, Antonio, can you play Jesus down here? Now imagine Jesus is down there at the bottom of the house. These guys are on the top of the house. And I think sometimes we all think that it was just perfect. Like these guys happen to have a rope. They tied the rope around the bed. Then they dug a hole through the roof. Then they lowered their... There was a lot of people involved helping this guy's dream come to pass. As they got closer to that hole in the roof, don't drop the dream, don't drop the dream. Hey, even when the dream gets dropped, God does not forget you, thank you Jesus. Even when people drop you. All of a sudden, people started coming around to help this guy get to Jesus. Everybody say, it takes a village. So they're all helping this guy get to Jesus. Thank you guys, thank you guys. And all of a sudden, Jesus, look at this in verse five, I love this. When Jesus saw their faith, everybody say their faith. faith. Say it like you mean it, their faith. When he saw everyone helping this man, the team, the God team, God has a team for your life. God has people lined up in your future. God has people in this room that are strategically ordained to be in your life, to be a friend in your life, to help a dream in your heart come to pass, to help you become the man of God you're called to be. As iron sharpens iron, so the friends in your life will sharpen you. The people in your life will either make your dream fly or make your dream die. In that moment, those friends, that village, that group of people, that community were working together to see a man's dream come to pass. And there Jesus saw their faith. Everybody say their faith. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. And the religious people got upset. Who's this guy that can forgive sins? What's he doing with these illustrated sermons in this house? We just want him to talk. And Jesus noticed all the religiosity, not in this house, but in that house back then. And he said, just so you know that I have the power to forgive this man of his sins, I also now speak to the sickness in his body. God has the power to bring healing to anything in your life that looks impossible. Any relationship you're in, any sickness that you walked in here with, God has the power to heal you. I just feel it right now. God's healing somebody in this room, healing somebody's body, healing somebody's heart, healing somebody's mind. Jesus looked around the room. He said, let me show you the power of God that's at work. Son, rise up and walk. And all of a sudden, that young man got up from that bed that he had been lying in his whole life. And Jesus said, take your mat, because your mat is your testimony. Your mat is your message. Your mat is proof that you're not who you used to be. You used to be lying on that thing, but now you're carrying that thing. Come on, church. Somebody say, carry the mat. Another way to say it is embrace the gaps in your life because the gaps are the places 
where you are weak, but he is strong, where you couldn't get to Jesus on your own, but somebody carried you to him, when you couldn't carry yourself. I remember as a kid, our family, we used to occasionally go on road trips, and I remember going on this one road trip to Branson, Missouri, and uh, we were coming back home. I fell asleep in the back of my mom's big blue van, and I remember the next morning waking up, and I was laying in my bed, and I was so confused. How did I get here? And I went into the kitchen and my hair's everywhere. I look like Macaulay Culkin off of Home Alone 1. I was like, ah. And uh, I look, and I was like, how did I get here? And they were like, when you couldn't carry yourself, we carried you as a family to your room. There's times in your life where you can't carry yourself. You need a family. You need relationships. You need a village to carry you. It would be prideful to think that we can do this Christian walk all by ourselves. It would be prideful to think, I can get to Jesus all by myself. This paralyzed guy, he knew it. I can't get to him. We don't know the backstory, but I wanna just imagine for a moment, sometimes we read over Bible stories and we don't even think to ask the questions, how did he get those four friends around him? Because we just come right into the moment when the four friends are already carrying him. We don't know how they knew that he needed to be carried. He probably had to send word and ask for some help. Ask for some friends to come and carry the dream in his heart. You know what God spoke to me? So many people's dreams go unfulfilled because they refuse to swallow their pride and ask for some help from the people in their life that are ready to help them, but they think, I gotta do this all by myself. I gotta do, I'm, this is a DIY project, do it yourself. I gotta be a self-made man, a self-made Christian, that's anti-gospel. Even Jesus had relationships. Paul the apostle, one of the greatest preachers, surrounded himself with people that could help carry forward the dream that was in his heart. What makes you think you can't do this without a God team in your life? You need people. And maybe you say, well, Paul, well, how do I get them? Well, I think it starts with letting go of your ego, swallowing your pride, and asking for some help. Swallowing your pride and putting yourself out there to be in some relationships in this church, in your life, that can help you become who God's called you to be. Some of us are waiting for someone to come and just introduce themselves and say, hi, I'm gonna be your best friend. I'm gonna help you fulfill your dream. That doesn't, it just doesn't happen like that. This summer, we were at a public pool, and it happened for my son that way. My son Liam, he was you know, swimming in his floaties, and this little boy just came up to him in the public pool and said, hi, I'm Preston. Will you be my best friend? And Liam said, yes. And Preston said, get on top of this little tube. And so Preston just pulled Liam in the tube. And when it was time for Liam to go, after like an hour and a half of him hanging out with this kid he just met, a stranger at the pool, I said, we gotta go. Preston said, he's my best friend, take care of him. I said, okay, Preston, he was like four years old. <laughs> but let's be honest, the older we get, it just doesn't happen that way. You gotta initiate, here's what happens. Pride waits. Love initiates. Pride waits. Pride says, no, 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 you gotta come to me. You gotta ask me to go to lunch with you. You gotta give me your contact information. You've gotta invite me to come into your connect group. You've gotta hand me a box that says, here's all my God team. I've got, like, pride waits. Pride waits for everyone to come to him or her. But love initiates. Love is in a church service like this, and as soon as the message is over, love goes to someone on, on another row or on their same row and says, hey, here's my number. Let's go get coffee this week. I could use some God friends in my life. 
I could use some more people helping me. And I would love to help you in whatever dreams are in your heart. I'd love to be there for you. Let's go golfing this week. Love initiates the relationships in your life. How many think relationships are important? All right, so here, let me just tell you, when we get to heaven, we don't get to bring our houses with us. We don't get to bring our cars with us. We don't get to bring our careers with us. We don't get to bring our bank accounts with us. Guess what we do get to bring with us? Relationships. It's the only thing that plus the impact you made on people's lives for eternity through the times that you gave in the offering, through the moments that you helped serve someone, a stranger on the street, those, those moments of impact, that you get to take that to eternity. But the other thing is you, you take the relationships with you. You're not getting rid of me. I'm gonna be in your neighborhood in heaven. I'm gonna come ring your doorbell and say, come on, let's go praise Jesus today. Let's go swimming in the river of mercy and healing and grace. Let's do some cliff jumping over there. Come on, we're gonna have fun in heaven, right? You're not getting rid of me and I'm not getting rid of you. We're gonna be up there together. There's not gonna be like a church split in heaven like, no, I'm going to my own church up in heaven. No, we're all going to the same church under Pastor Jesus. Come on, somebody. And I think God from heaven is saying, work together right now. The enemy more than ever is trying to divide people, get people at odds with each other, get people against each other, not working together. And this is what Paul said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. He says, guys, you know that the end is drawing near. So let us stir each other up. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of hate. I'm just checking if you're listening this morning. <laughs> Does Paul say, let's motivate each other to acts of hatred and violence and division? No, 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 he doesn't say that. He says, let's, let's get together and let's motivate each other to acts of kindness, acts of love, good works. And then he goes on to say this in the next verse, and let's not neglect getting together. Let's not neglect. Sometimes we get so busy, we don't have time for each other. But one day when we get to heaven, the stuff we were so busy working on, it won't be up there, but the people, the people that we spent time with, they will. Those relationships matter. Jesus spent the majority of his time in his three years of ministry building relationships, even with a guy named Judas that he knew was going to betray him. And oftentimes in our lives, we get burned by one relationship, and so we build up walls against everybody. Like, and it starts at a young age, right? It does, because I'm watching my two baby boys, and it's interesting. <laughs> Liam, he loves everybody, but for some reason, there's like one or two people that he just runs from as soon as he sees them. And nothing's happened between him or that person. But for whatever reason, I think maybe one time they came in and they were like, oh, Liam. And he got scared. And now anytime he sees them, he just doesn't, he just runs from them. And it's this fear. And he's got walls built up between him and that guy. And you know, I think about how in our lives, sometimes we get hurt by a friendship, by a relationship. We build up walls. Things happen. And we get we get offended, we get hurt, we feel betrayed, and we stop wanting to have relationships within the church because we just blame everyone for what that one person did to us, for that one relationship. Jesus didn't give up on the other disciples when Judas betrayed him. Jesus came back and continued to build relationships with his disciples. You have a God team in your life, and you can't do what you're called to do without that God team. I remember in second grade, my best friend, Jordan Koval, he moved 
to Houston, Texas, Friendwood to be exact. And, um, and it was really hard on me because I'd been building this friendship with Jordan since K5. And I was like, after all these years, you're leaving me? And he was like, I'm sorry, Paul. My dad got a great job in Houston, Texas. I was mad. And to the point where I just felt like I didn't have any other friends I could hang out with, connect with. I was like, I needed you, Jordan. We were called to do life together. And, uh, you know, I go into third grade. I'm in Miss D'Alessandro's class. The first few months, I'm just hating it. There's no one in my life. No one cares about me. I'm never going to have a good friend. Jordan's the only friend that cared about me. And he left me. Moved to Texas. Why am I even at Victory? I need to go to Texas. What am I doing here? I need to be with Jordan. Drinking Capri Suns, eating Lunchables, and playing on the playground in Houston, Texas. I was mad on the playground here. And um, some of y'all are laughing, but you need to hear this testimony. <laughs> Miss D'Alessandro sat me down after three or four months listening to my pity party about not having friends, not having relationships, feeling lonely, not knowing anybody in victory. And she said, Paul, do you think there's room in your heart to make some new friends? And she just asked me, she said, how do you think friendships are made? And, and if you realize that friendships are so important to the kingdom of God, it was a huge topic in Jesus's day. He talked, he preached about relationships like multiple times. He said, people will know you, that you're my followers by the way that you connect with each other, the way that you love each other, the relationships you share with one another. And Miss D'Alessandro just challenged me. She said, do you, do you have room in your heart for some more friends that you can step out and get connected with? I said, I just don't know. I'm already far into my career. I'm, I mean, I'm in the third grade. I just, I don't think I got much time left to make friends. But I remember not feeling like I had friends. And Ms. D'Alessandro said, why don't we pray that God's gonna bring some friends in your life? Little did I know that across that classroom in Miss Rhonda Wells' class was a redhead boy named Daniel Mao that would go on to become a lifelong friend who plays guitar on this stage every Sunday. We've been friends now for 20 plus years. Little did I know Jonathan Cousins would be sitting in that same class that now helps us with TV and helps us do our shows on Hillsong Channel and TVN and Daystar. And we've been friends for 20 plus years. I didn't even know they were across the hallway and that I was gonna one day meet them within the next few months and have lifelong friendships. Little did I know that God was bringing a friend back from Russia named Daniel Henshaw, who now serves here at Victory, and we've been friends for 20 plus years working together. Little did I know God was bringing a guy named Aaron Johnson from Wisconsin, and that God would bring us to become best friends. And the, I mean, I could just keep going through the friendships in my life. I wouldn't be the man that I am today without the friendships in my life. I wouldn't be the husband I am today, the dad I am without the relationships in my life. I just want to shout out some of these relationships. Come on up here, AJ and Daniel and my, my Ashley Hope Doherty, my wife, my mom, my grandma, Sarah Worley. Come on, my older sister, Sarah, Sharissa, John, come on up here. Ron, come on up here. I'm looking around this room. I could call all y'all up here. <laughs> it takes a village to make a man. It takes a village to make a woman. It takes a village to build up you to become who God's called you to be. You can't do what God's called you to do without the team that he wants to bring into your life. Some of you are trying to do it all by yourself because you feel like there's no more friends left for you. And that's a lie from the enemy. To have friends, you have to be friendly. You're gonna have to step out of your comfort zone. 
You didn't decide to follow Jesus because it was easy, convenient, and comfortable. So why would you decide to refuse what Jesus calls you to do because it's uncomfortable, inconvenient, and not always easy to fit into your schedule because you're so busy? You need relationships. It's going to take work. It's gonna require you to step out of your comfort zone. It's gonna require you to choose the path of love instead of pride to initiate a relationship instead of waiting for relationships to initiate with you. It's gonna require you at times to forgive people that you trusted that might hurt your feelings, but hey, Jesus told his disciples, how many times do you have to forgive? 70 times seven. Those disciples got into a lot of fights, a lot of backyard fights, but Jesus just kept teaching them, love each other, you need each other, stick together. Come on, let's put our arms around each other. I'm a, I'm a touchy-feely guy, it's my love language. I can't do it without you. The rest of my life, I need you. I need you, not just for a season, not just for a reason, but for a lifetime. I need you, and you need me. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Grangren says, she needs me, thank you. You know, Ashley told me this, when we first got married, I was trying to pastor our young adults ministry all by myself. I was doing all the hospital visits, phone calls. There wasn't a whole lot of hospital visits in the college ministry, but the ones that were there, I was doing those, phone calls. I was uh, meeting with everyone for coffee. I was trying to run our internship, all of it. And I was exhausted, I was about to burn out. Oftentimes the reason why we burn out is because we don't lean on the team that God is bringing around us. I read that in a uh, book on why pastors have moral failures, why they have burnout, it always begins with a lack of friendships in their life, a lack of relationships to lean on. And um, I remember my wife coming to me, she said, Paul, I'm here to help you with those phone calls. I'm here to help you with those, with those visits. I'm here to help you with the ministry. You're trying to do it all by yourself. You need me, Paul. And I was like, okay, babe, you're right. <laughs> and, um, and she was right, I didn't realize Pride was making me try to do it all by myself. Everybody say, I need you. And say, you need me. Look at the person next to you and say, I need you. And say, you need me. All right, give these guys a big hand as they sit down. I'm almost done. Are you receiving the word today? There was a song we used to sing when I was in youth camp. All of us teenagers, we get together and sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Then we'd get to this one verse and we'd all look at each other. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me. I picked way too high of a key, guys. <laughs> but we would scream at each other, no one's going with me. I'm all by myself. <laughs> no one, though no one goes with me. And I understand the point of the song because there are times in your life where you have to follow Jesus even when no one else. But when you start singing that song and you're standing next to brothers and sisters in the Lord and they're all beside you and they're like, we're going with you too. 
Don't act like you're going on the rapture without us. <laughs> like, we're gonna be up there with you. We're going together. Everybody say, we're going together. If we're gonna be in heaven together, then I think it's important that we should be on earth together, even outside of our church services, that we are building relationships. This is where real maturity, real growth, real Christian development happens is in those relationships. You know, I was joking with my brother-in-law, Caleb, this past week, and him, and uh, Drew Bontrager, and, and Daniel Henshaw, we, we were able to play a quick game of golf, and the whole time, Caleb was just making me laugh, and it was so healthy for the soul. You don't just need friends in your life just to pray for you. You need friends in your life to help you laugh, to help you loosen up, to help you be joyful. You need friends in your life, not just for the spiritual things, but for the emotional things, the natural things, the things in marriage. And so a song that I sing, because we're a singing family, a song that we sing often, is a song that, uh, you know, I grew up hearing from my mom, from my dad. It's a song that when I was in college, me and all my bros, we had a floor of broskies we called Narnia, and uh, we had a wardrobe. You had to walk through the wardrobe to walk into our floor at Oral Roberts University. It was weird, it was quirky. But we used to sing this song, we'd all get together, and we'd say, lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. Four, five, it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. You just might have a problem that you'd understand. We all need somebody. Come on, sing it with me, church. To lean on, please swallow your pride. If I have faith, you need to borrow for no one can fill those of your needs that you won't let show. Hold on, that's a really good verse. Wait, I'm gonna theologically exegesis break down that verse for you, Ron McIntosh. Let me get the eisegesis on this. Please swallow your pride. Some of us are too prideful to ask for friends, to ask for help, to show up to a connect group, because we have to initiate ourselves going somewhere that's outside of, there's some of you that came to church today, it's your first time to come to church. Well done, well done. <laughs> Branching out, taking a risk, coming to a new place. Please swallow your pride if I have faith that you need to borrow. There's seasons in my life, there's days in my life that are just not easy. Anybody ever have rough days before? Yeah, all of us do. And you need friends to call, to lean on. I mean, even in the last couple weeks, some of my closest friends just sent a text. Hey, can we get together? Let's hang out. Let's talk. Let's, let's encourage each other. Just need someone to hang out with. Earlier this year, I had a friendship just go south. And it was, it was a difficult thing. I felt betrayed. I was frustrated. And immediately, I just built up walls. And I only wanted to just go to church 
work and be with my wife and my two little boys. I just was like, I just don't wanna hang out with anybody. I just can't trust anybody. And the enemy was just planting seeds of isolation and just making me feel like I just, I'm just gonna be with my wife and kids and that's it. And I remember like God just speaking to me. He used a few situations, a few church services, a few moments of some of you out here in this room coming up to me and just saying, hey Paul, God's blessed you with some great friends in your life. And I was like, you don't know. <laughs> I was being selfish. I was blaming all my friends because of one friendship. And some of us are punishing everyone in our life because of one person that hurt our feelings. We're punishing everybody because of one South relationship, one relationship that, you know what? God restored that relationship by the way he reconciled it. But you know what? It required both of us to swallow our pride and to say, hey, I could have, I, I could have misunderstood that. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. And, and because of that, God healed the relationship. But more importantly, God helped me to break down the walls and, and show me I need relationships in my life. I need friends that I can walk with and, and share struggles with and that I can pray with and that can encourage me, that I can laugh with, that we can ride bikes together, that we can take a walk together, that we can go to lunch after church together, that we can watch a movie together. You need relationships in your life. God doesn't want you doing this journey all by yourself. Get together for my sake. Get together for your sake. Get together for God's sake. The world will know that you are followers of Jesus by the love that you have for one another. And love can't just happen on Sunday mornings in a church service at 11 a.m. Love needs to happen on Monday nights, Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, Wednesdays at lunchtime, Friday mornings, Saturday nights, going to watch a fight, going to watch a game, going to hang out together, get together. And it doesn't always just have to be a time where you're always just praying together. Get together and spend time building those relationships. There's a God team in your life. You need them, they need you. Without them, the dream won't be fulfilled in your heart. And I love how that verse says, no one can fill the needs that you won't let show. No one can fill those of your needs that you won't let show. One of the best things that happened at Victory Conference this year was when Stephen Furtick looked at me and said, Paul, keep it gappy. It's good, it's good to know that you're weak in areas where you need God's strength, where you need people in your life that are gonna help you in those areas. Don't pretend like you got it all together. Don't pretend like you're perfect. Don't pretend like you don't need anybody's help. The second you stop needing people's help is the second you walk into a, a fall that is a spiral further down. You've gotta turn around and say, I need some people in my life. I need some help. I need some friends. I need a connect group. Thank you for listening to Victory with Paul Doherty. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services. Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Remember, your best days are right in front of you.